Howdy folks, today I got some thoughts I want to share with you concerning the biblical subject matter of envy. And I want to tell you what gave me the idea of coming at this particular podcast and, and the relevance that it has. What about the term influencer? What do you think about that term? You see, an influencer is someone who works within the social media marketing uh, type of platform, you know, somebody who's on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or all the other types of forms of social media. And an influencer has an ability, they have a power to affect people's buying habits, to have someone maybe watching their YouTube video and they place something within that YouTube video and they influence somebody to make a decision about either a brand or some form of, of ideology or whatever the case may be. And they use those social media platforms to bring all that up, to bring that out into the open. Now, that's, that's a modern-day form of marketing. But the concept behind it is not new. The concept behind it has gone way back. I mean, as long as I can remember in my lifetime, right? You think about uh, in, 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 in days past, uh, a certain basketball player, a football player, wore a certain brand of shoes, and that's still current. It's a modern practice, right? And they they have that endorsement. They wear that shoe. I mean, probably the biggest in, in my lifetime endorsement that continues to go on this day, even after his career, is Michael Jordan products. Uh, from shoes to clothing, down the line, I mean, he has influenced people through his athletic career and beyond to buy products that he has branded, right? So in some shape, form, or fashion, people are out there and have been out there for years and years before television and the days of radio. Why in the world are, do movie stars uh, do commercials? Why do they say, I use this hair product or I wear this particular type of makeup? Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to think about how envy plays a part in all of that. You know, where where somebody maybe even in envy is a negative sense, in a negative sense is where somebody feels like they lack contentment or they're resentful. Uh, they're, they're aroused by someone else's possessions or qualities or, or luck. I want you to think about envy in this way, right? Somebody has something that you feel like you can't quite attain to. So you, you know, the verb sense of the word envy, you desire to have a quality or possession or other desirable attribute belonging to someone else. And for example, he envied people who did not have to work on weekends. Well, how do we know about that? How do we know when somebody doesn't have to work on weekends? Hey, I envy his job, or I envy this possession that this person has, or this ability that they have. In a world where we're surrounded by influencers, where people are paid to get you to covet what they have, to want, to desire, to even envy what you have. Think about social media in general, even outside of the influencers. 
where someone might say, hey, did you see that vacation picture of Jane Doe over here? Wow, I've never been to this place or that place. Or, hey, did you see that picture on social media? You fill in whatever brand of social media that might be. You know, this person posted on Twitter or I guess now X. Uh, did you see their new house? Man, you know, that thing was huge. Da, 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 da. Did you see that? Man, did you see so-and-so's dope new ride? You know, speaking about somebody's automobile. Oh, look at them shoes. Those things cost $400. I mean, come on. Man, how do you afford them shoes? You know what? Did you see that so-and-so posted that they were eating at this particular restaurant? I checked it out online. There are six months reservations, uh, backed up and reservations for six months. How'd he or she get in there? How'd that happen? Or, man, something that happened recently down here in El Paso, I don't know about the rest of the world, but these cups called Stanley Cups, and I'm not meaning the NHL trophy, but their Target had a particular, I think it was a pink cup made by a Stanley company. And people were lined up at Target like hours before they opened in the cold, standing outside because they just had to have this cup. Folks, we live in a world where envy is promoted in so many different places, right? The, just the idea of, I'm not content with my coffee cup anymore. Why? Because she got that one or he got that one. I'm not content with my reliable transportation. Why? Because did you see that new SUV he got? Man, I got to have me that. And, and, and if you're hearing covetousness in that, they're related terms, okay? They're synonymous in a lot of ways. And for us here down here in El Paso, you know, when we just got done talking about uh, covetous, not covetousness not too long ago because we're studying through Luke chapter 12. You know, the amazing thing about going through the Bible verse by verse is how many subjects you actually cover. It's awesome. It's amazing uh, to study the Bible just verse by verse because in Luke 12, 13 through 21, you know, Jesus teaches uh, against covetousness. And it all started because somebody said, hey, to the Lord, uh, talk to my brother that he, and divide an inheritance with me. And Jesus said, man, who made me a judge or divider over you? And he warned him, take heed and beware of covetousness, uh, you know, where you're, you're, you're just greedy uh, to have more. You want more. And, you know, envy plays a part in that, right? We live in a world that says to us, and it's not new. You know, I, I know I brought up the influencer thing. And, and part of what's got my mind on that is uh, I was watching a, a basketball NBA basketball uh, thing that happened over the weekend, and they had a celebrity basketball game. I was just curious how that was going to look. And uh, they had some guys that were playing in the game, and, and they, they, called, they called them influencers. And I'm like, I don't know who these dudes are. Why are they on there? Well, apparently they've got YouTube channels or whatever, and millions and millions of people that follow them. And, and I'm like, I, I just, I have a real hard time thinking that's a job. <laughs> I have a really hard time. Like, so your whole job is to go on YouTube and create video. I got to tell you, I, I might sound like an old dude in this. 
what in the world's the what in the world's going on? I mean, I know maybe some of you young folks out there are going, you're just an old guy, you don't get it. You're right. I I don't get it. Like some some dude on YouTube drinking out of a cup doesn't do anything for me. <laughs> not at all. I'm not gonna envy that guy. Uh, nor am I gonna envy him because he's got ten thousand followers. Hey, this may be offensive to you if you're one of those followers. I just think you're dumb. Like, why are you following a dude? You know what? There's only one dude I'm going to follow. His name's Jesus. And I'm not trying to demote him by calling him a dude, but he did come in the flesh, right? And that's the one I want to follow. That's who my influencer is. I'm going to be an imitator of Jesus Christ. I don't know why you'd want to imitate some sinful person of the world. To me, that's just mind-boggling. Well, maybe you need to think about that. Because what influences us matters. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren... By the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that which is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There's God's view on influencers of the world, all right? And when, when you look back at the Old Testament in Psalm 73, this whole idea of look over here at what this person has, they have what I don't have. Think about how it's covered. Psalm 73, just beginning in verse 1 says, truly, God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped, for I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Now, if you didn't catch this, the reason I'm reading this is because this psalmist says, I was envious at the foolish in verse three. Notice the way his mind worked, okay? Picking up at verse six. Therefore, pride compasses them about as a chain. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than the heart could wish. They're corrupt, speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouths against the heavens and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore, his people return hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, How doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily, I've cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long I've been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say, I will speak thus, behold, I shall offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. So this psalmist, and he goes on and keeps talking, this psalmist envied the wicked. He had this thought in his mind that he had cleansed his heart in vain and, and it, that it was pointless. Why? Because he was envious of the wicked. He was being influenced by the wicked. He wanted what they had. His mind had turned carnal and he got caught up in that thought process until he considered their end. Man, did you see that person's swimming pool? They got a 12,000 square foot house, a swimming pool, a tennis court, a basketball. I wish I just had half of that. Why do you wish that? You don't, you don't wish that when you come out your mother's womb, you know what you want? Something to eat, right? 
air to breathe. Why do you wish that? Because you have been influenced. This world has caused you to envy what the world has to offer. Consider their end. In Proverbs 23, 17 through 18, let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long, for surely there is an end and thine expectation shall not be cut off. Don't envy sinners. Think about their end in contrast to your end. That is, if you're a Christian, their place isn't going to last forever. The very next chapter in Proverbs 24, 19 through 20, fret not thyself because of evil men, neither be thou envious at the wicked, for there shall be no reward to the evil man. The candle of the wicked shall be put out. So sometimes we've got to, we, we got to pull in our eyes and set our sights on things that are wise rather than what the world says we ought to have. We got to stop gazing off at what is not in our grasp and seek the wisdom that is within our grasp. In Proverbs 17, 24, wisdom is before him that hath understanding, but the eyes of a fool are in the ends of the earth. Stop, stop looking at what is without beyond your reach and don't say, hey, I, I, I want it all. Well, what, what if you get it all? And by that, uh, I would assume everybody listening to this podcast would know what I mean. By that, that is all the world has to offer. But in Proverbs 23, 5, will thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. So you got to rein that in. You got to think about the end, right? I mean, you... You, you're going to stand in a line for a cup because some social media influencer got you to think that you have arrived because you have this cup? Are you serious? <laughs> like what? Do you become a greater person because you're drinking out of a certain brand of cup? Wait, stop thinking like a 12 to 15 year old worldly person. Rain your eyes in. Don't wander off. You know, Ecclesiastes 6, 9, better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the desire. This is vanity and vexation of spirit. What do you think? What do you think happens to people that want it all? What do you, what, have you ever paid attention? Have you ever paid? You know, for those of you out there that are sports fans, and I know this is an old illustration to my brethren here in El Paso, but it's just so fitting. You know, Right after the Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl, before any celebrations and anything else, they're still on the field. They still have the pads on. I mean, they just won the Super Bowl. And they're already talking about next year. What's that tell you about contentment? You got it all. You're the champions of the world. We want to do it again. <laughs> okay. See, that's the way the world is. And when you're being influenced by the world, this is what's going to happen. You don't get that 10,000 square foot house and you don't get that swimming pool and that tennis court and that basketball court and whatever it is. 
that your heart's desired at the cost of your soul, and you're going to get it. But you know what? Somebody down the street is going to build a 12,000 square foot house. And you're going to see that. You're going to say, oh, man, their house is bigger than mine. <laughs> yep. Somewhere along the line, somebody's going to build a house bigger than yours. Then what? That lack of contentment that caused you to envy, that got you to covet, that led you down the road to get what you got the way that you got it, is going to bite you again and again and again and again. Because envy, another synonym is jealousy, all right? Even if you've got it all, somebody's going to just knock you off that pedestal at some point in time. Boop! And then you no longer have it all. You're the world champion today. But right after you were announced as the world champion, the sports networks are already talking about who's going to be the contender next year. And that's going to drive you as a world champion insane because you want them to say, our team's going to repeat. And now everything you just accomplished just means nothing. I mean, it's, it's just, it's nothing. Jealousy, envy sets in, right? In Galatians 5, 24 through 26, this is where Christians ought to be. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. We, we've put that to death. We've crucified that. That's not in us anymore. If, if it is, then you're not a faithful Christian. Think about what envy does to people, not just in, in spirit, and we'll certainly talk more about that, but what about even to our physical well-being? And Proverbs 14.30 says, A sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy the rottenness of the bones. Have you ever thought about that? What envy does to you physically? You know, we live in a world full of so many anxieties. Envy is at the root of some of that. Not all of that, but some of that. And for a lot of different people, they're jealous. They're envy. They want what other people have. Let me ask you a question. If you're a faithful child of God, how are you not content with eternal life? Nobody in the world's got that. They all lost it. Everything that they possess is going to come to naught. It's going to be nothing. I'm not telling you, and you ought to know this if you're a Bible student, I'm not telling you to go out there and live in a cardboard box and be satisfied with soiled clothing. But be happy with what you've got. Work for the things you need in life and count anything else as, as, as a bonus. And you know, there's a balance, right? Go back and listen to Sunday's podcast on 1 Peter 3, 10 through 12. There's a balance where we as faithful children of God, 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 31, the context being marriage there, that we can use this world but not abuse it for the fashion of this world pass away. That ought to be the mindset of a Christian. You know what? I can enjoy this and I can enjoy that, but I also know it's temporary. And I enjoy it because I enjoy it, not because somebody influenced me and caused me to conform 
to this world. You know, somebody goes through Target and says, that's a cool cup. I want it. I'm not faulting you. I'm not saying don't buy that cup because the world said it's popular. I'm just asking you, what made you want it? What made you want it? And what's that mean for you spiritually? If you're on social media, television, radio, whatever it is, because like I mentioned at the beginning, while influencer may actually be a job title, I just I still can't get that. I, uh, I won't go back. I won't go backwards on that. <laughs> uh, uh. People have been influencing others to do things through advertisements and everything else for a long time. I mean, even if you don't have any form of media, you can drive down the road and there's a billboard alongside the highway. And there may be, you know, some famous person, quote unquote, drinking a certain kind of beverage. And that's supposed to influence you to want that beverage. Have you thought about that? Why is this person influencing me? I want you to look at the mindset of our brother, the Apostle Paul, in Philippians chapter 4. And I'm going to go verses 6 through 13, where he says, Be careful, meaning anxious, for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which past all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Here's Paul saying, I'm your influencer. Now listen, there's a qualifier there. And this goes back to if you're going to follow man, let it be Christ. Even when you're following the Apostle Paul's example. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul said, Be followers of me, even as I am of Christ. So he's following Christ. You're following Paul. You're really following Christ, right? I, I come back. He goes on and says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not I speak in respect of one. For I have learned, in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. The church in Philippi in this context supports the Apostle Paul financially. They are looking to help him, engaging in helping him. In fact, if you go back to chapter 2 of this epistle, they sent Epaphroditus to aid the Apostle Paul. And Paul is thankful for all that they did and will do for him in the future. And certainly, he'll take that financial support. But his mindset is he knows how to be full and to be hungry. His happiness, his joy, his life is not rooted in the things that he possesses. That is the example we need to follow. Life is more than the things that you possess. Back to that Luke 12 context that I brought up earlier, Luke 12, 15, Jesus talking, said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Our life can't be rooted in these possessions. 
Now, think about what envy will do to people. And the particular context I'm going to draw your attention to is not about material things. It's about envy in general. But envy in general works the same way. What somebody will do to get something. Think about somebody in the, in the job market, right? That envy somebody's job. And, you know, those of you that work in, in any type of place, I know when I work secular work, everywhere I worked, uh, this tended to be the case, where somebody wanted somebody else's job. You know what they did? They envied that person's job. And you know what happened a lot of time? When the opportunity arose where they might make that person look bad to possibly get them in some form of trouble or to get them demoted or whatever the case, people took those opportunities. They jumped on it. Why? Because they were envious of that person's position. And I've been in that job area where somebody did that. They got that position. And you know what's amazing? You think they'd be content with that? No, because envy doesn't bring about contentment. It caused them to do things they wouldn't normally, ordinarily do that were harmful to somebody else because they were moved by envy. With that in mind, I want you to look at the way envy works. Acts 17, beginning in verse 1. Now, when they had passed through Amphalus and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was the synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. Some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks a great multitude, and of the chief women not a few. But the Jews which believed not, notice, moved with envy took certain lewd fellows of the baser sort and gathered a company and set all the city on an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren of the rulers of the city, crying, These men that have turned the world upside down have come hither also, whom Jason had received, and these do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city, when they heard these things. And when they had taken security of Jason and of the other, they let them go. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who, coming thither, went in the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, and that they received the word with all readiness of mind, searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Therefore many of them believed, also honorable women, which of the Greeks, and of the men not a few. But when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached of Paul at Berea, they came thither also and stirred up the people. Look at what envy did. Caused them to seek to, to, to attack them and destroy them in Thessalonica. And then when they heard that they went to Berea, pursued them even there. Envy, folks, is an engine for evil. And James chapter 3, verses 14 through 16, context talking about the tongue, says, But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Think about this. Think about envy and, and the state that it is 
as a verb, right? Where somebody desires to possess uh, something or a attribute that belongs to somebody else. I envy your job. What will envy do? It will cause you to go to extreme lengths of ungodly activity to get what you want. In the book of Job, we read in Job 5 and verse 2, wrath killed the foolish man and envy slayeth the silly one. Yeah, envy is destructive to you and to others. It is, in the end, a work of the flesh. And guess what? If you're envious of others, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. In Galatians 5, 19 through 21, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I've told you in times past, they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. I'm jealous over what you have. Guess what? I'm not going to heaven. That's how important this subject matter is. And understanding that we live in a world that everywhere you turn, from the highway to the radio to the internet to the television, is promoting that which brings about envy. Looking at something, someone, or an attribute somebody has and being jealous of it. Listen, envy is foolish and an act of disobedience. In the book of Titus, Paul writing to the evangelist Titus in Titus 3.3 3 says, We ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Hmm. Look at that engine of ungodliness that envy is. And it's rooted in carnality. It's rooted in making us want things are, that are of the world. In Romans chapter 13, verses 13 and 14 says, Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. So listen. If you find yourself, wherever it is, being influenced to desire to be jealous over somebody else's house, shoes, cars, what they ate for dinner, their ability, their spouse, whatever it is, you need to recognize that that's envy. You need to pull yourself away from that mentality. I'm sorry, I didn't mute my uh, phone there. The Corinthians, let me draw your mind to this. In 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3, I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you are not able to bear it, neither are you yet able. For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? Listen, of all the things we could say from what I just read, envy is one of the attributes that kept some of the people in Corinth from being able to learn, from being able to grow. It stood in their way. You got to ask yourself, is this a problem you have? 
And what are you going to do to eliminate it? Maybe you need to choose a different route to drive. Maybe you need to discard whatever app it is that influences you. Maybe you need to stop watching whatever shows that make you desire so strongly in a jealous fashion what belongs to somebody else. Maybe you need to look at things differently. You need to not make provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. In Romans chapter 8, as we talk about the carnal mind versus the spiritual mind, verse 5 through 8, they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they after the spirit things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is empty against God. It's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So they that are the flesh cannot please God. Listen, it's not Brian's opinion. It's biblical fact. You cannot be carnally minded, which includes envy and please God. It's impossible. If you're being influenced to be driven to want attributes or possessions of other people, you're being pushed down the road to covetousness. If you, you know, you think about it, I envy this person's happiness. Maybe you don't put it that way. Maybe you say, I wish I had this pers person's happiness. What are you doing? What are you doing? Why don't you have your happiness? Why don't you do what makes you happy? Why don't you serve God and be at peace and contentment with what makes him happy? Again, go back to Sunday's podcast, 1 Peter 3, 10 through 12. God doesn't want faithful Christians to be miserable. He gives us instructions on how to live in this evil world in a manner in which we can enjoy life. But it's not through looking what other people have and desiring it. When you look back at the law of Moses, Exodus chapter 20, verse 17 says, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Stop looking at what other people have or what other people can do or what you perceive to be in other people and start looking in the mirror both physically and spiritually, the spiritual mirror being the scriptures, James 1, 21 through 25, and look at it honestly. And if you are not happy, look to fix that of yourself. What appears to make that person happy isn't what's going to make you happy. Looking at that person's spouse isn't going to change your spouse. If something's not right in your marriage, fix your marriage. Talk to your spouse. Don't look at somebody else's. Beside the fact that, hey, sometimes sometimes things aren't as obvious, so I'm just going to say it. You might see these pictures on social media where people are smiling. That doesn't mean they're happy. You know why they put that picture on social media? They want you to envy what they've got. Look at what I got. Look at what I got. Look at me. Look at how great my life is. Look at this amazing vacation I just had. You know the thing about that amazing vacation? I went on a seven-day cruise. I saw the crib and I did. And on day eight, it's over. So if that's what it took to make that smile appear on your face in that picture, you came home on day eight. You ain't happy at home. But 
51 weeks out of the year, you're going to be miserable. You go on this lavish vacation to make yourself happy. That's seven days of happiness. Ladies and gentlemen, why are you envying seven days of happiness? Why don't you create an environment where you have 365 days of happiness? Start with the scriptures. The Bible guides you on how to enjoy this life. God, who is the architect of this world, who is the creator of your flesh and your spirit, knows how to drive about true, sustainable happiness, knows how to give you contentment. Let the Bible be your guide instead of the influencers of this world whom are all going to perish. How can you ever look at a smile on somebody's face and want it knowing that the end of that smile is eternal destruction? If thou art a child of God, what in the world does this world have that you could possibly envy when you recognize that it's all going to burn up? 2 Peter 3 and verse 10. That envy is going to drive you to do all kinds of wrong things, like we've been reading. In other contexts, like Acts, Acts 13 is similar to Acts 17, right? Acts 13, 43 through 45, when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed upon Barnabas, who speaking them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. When the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Like the Jews saw that Gentiles want the gospel, and they move with envy. This is what belongs to us. Now, part of that comes from the fact that they were once God's chosen people. But they missed that the prophets, again, coming back to our first Peter study, go back and listen through some of what we talked about in 1 Peter chapter 1 and 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 10, etc., 1 Peter 2, uh, 5 through 10, etc. The Gentiles, even throughout the time of, of prior to the law of Moses, the promise to Abraham, through thy seed, all the nations of the earth be blessed. Genesis 22, 18, the prophets prophesied, etc. And I know we've covered that in recent lessons. The Jews didn't want to see that. They wanted, hey, God is ours and nobody else. Even though they weren't genuinely, faithfully serving God, they got envious. They got jealous when they saw that, hey, our father has other children that don't look like us and don't talk like us. Folks, that's the world at work. That's carnality at work. And what did it get them to do? Got them to contradict the truth and blaspheme against the truth. Turn against God. You know, the Jews killed Jesus and one of the motivators behind it was envy. In Mark chapter 15, check this out. Mark chapter 15, let me grab my Bible here. Mark chapter 15, verses 1 through 10, says, Straightway in the morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council, and bound Jesus and carried him away and delivered him to Pilate. Pilate asked him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And answering said to him, Thou sayest it. And the chief priests accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. And Pilate asked him again, saying, Answerest thou nothing? Behold, how many things they witness against thee. But Jesus yet answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. Now at the feast he released unto them one prisoner, whomsoever they desired. And there was one named Barabbas, which laid bound with them that had made an excuse me, insurrection with him, who had committed murder in the insurrection. And the multitude, crying aloud, 
and began to desire to do as he had never done unto them. But Pilate answered them, saying, Will ye that I release unto you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priest had delivered him for envy. You know what the text goes on to say? Instead of the innocent Christ, they chose Barabbas to be released. Look at what envy does. Causes people to be extremely irrational and ungodly. Joseph's brothers. You remember Joseph? You know, you can read the account I'm about to reference in Genesis chapter 37. His brothers, the patriarchs uh, of, of Judaism, Acts 7 verse 9, the patriarchs moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him. His brothers, they cast him into a pit. He was found there by Midianite merchantmen that turned around and sold him to the Egyptians. His brothers were guilty of that. The cause, Acts 7-9 tells us is, they moved with envy. They wanted that coat of many colors, that prophetic ability, that relationship that he had with their father. They were envious of it. Instead of being happy for their brother, instead of sharing in the joy that their brother had, they wanted it for themselves. Mm. Proverbs 27, 4 says, Wrath is cruel and anger is outrageous. But who is able to stand before envy? Ladies and gentlemen, whether you're my brothers or sisters in Christ or not, do you hear what the scriptures are saying to you? Who is able to stand before envy? Oh, man. And yet, we live in this world where influencing is a career where people want to put something before you so that you envy what they have and you go and you get it. Are you influenced by people? Do they make you want what they have? Do they rob you of contentment? You better check that. You better think about it. We read together. Galatians 5, 19 through 21, that in the end, you'll not inherit the kingdom of God. I want to give you a couple scriptures in closing. Psalm 37, 1 and 2 says, Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Going back to what we talked about with with uh, Psalm 73. Consider their end. If you want something, have that want be eternal life because it is the only thing that will endure. And Proverbs 3, 31, 32, Envy thou not the oppressor and choose none of his ways. For the froward is an abomination, Lord, but his secret is with the righteous. Be a righteous individual. Don't be carnally minded. Don't be envious. Don't go out there and start coveting what other people have. If people got it great, hey, you know what? You enjoyed your seven-day vacation? I'm glad you did. I feel bad for what's awaiting you in eternity. You got them brand new shoes 
Those three $400 shoes, cool. They look great. And? And? I don't want them because you got them. If I want them, it ought to be because I want them. Not because somebody else got them. I need to check my wants and whys. Why do I want that? Do I think that picture, that video, that sound clip, whatever it is, that person has that and that is going to give me what I truly desire, that smile on their face, that wealth that they have, whatever that is, you better check it. You better know why you're being moved to do the things that you do. Hey, you want to buy a $300, $400 pair of shoes? I don't care. But why? Why? Why do you want them? I hope you'll seriously, seriously consider the content from the scriptures of our study today. 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says, Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. You know what that means? That means to test yourself. That's what podcasts like this are about. It's not about saying, Envy is wrong and this is why. If you're not going to take that and prove, test yourself with it, it's pointless to listen to. That verse goes on, 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says, Know you not yourselves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. Examine yourself. Test yourself. Prove yourself. I mean, the verse basically says it twice for a reason. Examine and prove basically mean the same thing. What moves you? Is it a person outside of Jesus Christ and those that follow him? Is it an ideology? Is it I'll be happy if I get that? Is it that you just aren't content with anything? Fix it. Not only will you find that your life on earth will be so much more pleasant when you can just be content, you will also find eternal life. But if you keep down that road of being influenced by the influencers, damnation is what is to come. So my best advice to you would be Enjoy those shoes, that vacation, that house, that car, that other person's spouse, whatever it is, because your enjoyment is only going to be very, very brief. On the scale of eternity, I want you to think about what 70 years or 80 years is. It's not even a blip. So you're going to make a decision rooted in envy for that which is not even a blip on the scale of how long you're going to live. And the price you're going to pay for it. It's more than $300. More than $400. More than your marriage. More than your contentment. It is eternal destruction. I'll leave you with these thoughts. I hope it has helped move you to think about yourself, to examine yourself. As always, folks, if I can be of help, I would love for you to contact me. Call me up. Email me. Text me. Do whatever you need to do. I'll be here to help you through the scriptures. I'll be honest, blunt, and frank. Because the goal is to get to eternity. Thank you so much for listening. If all goes according to plan, we'll be back with a First Peter lesson on Sunday. Till then, I'll say goodbye.